Welcome to a special edition of the College Basketball Bonanza, the 2020-21 season amid COVID-19. I'm Nicholas O'Dell. Dominic Stern is with me. And Dom, I know it's been a while since we talked college basketball, pretty much ever since everything ended so suddenly in March. And it, it's still a crazy world. You in, in California, how have things been for you? I've been good. I've been finding ways to get out of the house and keep myself occupied. I've been working lately, of course, with a mask and gloves on. And then golfing a little bit, you know, I can still get out there and be social distance with my friends and still interacting with them. So I, I, I've been keeping myself sane, but I miss sports. Baseball's right around the corner, but, you know, I do miss college basketball. We were, we were, we were left on that cliffhanger of what was going to be an insane March Madness. So oh, man. I'm hoping what, what that this, been, right? this 2020-2021 season can really be good for us because – it needs to be good to make up for the fact that we didn't get March Madness. I know. And, you know, I mean, we're still a little ways away from it yet, but with the July wrapping up, conferences in smaller capacities all across the country have already been canceling all their fall sports, with most notable of those coming from the Ivy League, the first to do so just like in March, and the MEAC and the SWAC, notable HBCU D1 conferences. Plenty is on the line over the course of the next few weeks, as major conferences make their decisions on a fall season, with the Big Ten and Pac-12 already moving to a conference-only fall season, but that might only be the beginning of a string of tough news that is yet to come. And Dom, I would say college basketball a little ways away yet, but given what's going on right now, I would imagine that it's not the best signs at the moment for college basketball. No, nothing's really in good shape, and it's all, it's all really going to depend on how America does in this next couple of months, because it's really tough to predict what's going to go on in November when we don't know what's going to go on in August. It's America's in just not a very good spot right now. The way we've handled this coronavirus has been terrible. Other countries are just back to normal life, you know, maybe with a mask, but that's good for them. We're still like, I'm, I don't leave the house unless I like have something to do. I don't just like go out, go to the park or anything like I, we can't do anything. So, College basketball isn't really in the forethought of my mind because I've got way more important things to figure out as does just about everyone. Yeah, and, and also you, you got to remember that college football is very dominant in the minds right now with a winter season still way in the rear fear mirror as of right now. And do you think that if some of the major conferences sort of start to take action in either a conference or even a cancellation that that might linger on into October or even November if – those decisions are to be made then as well? Yeah, I think anything that's made from the top is going to trickle all the way down because those those are the huge – that's where the money's made. And where the money's made is what's most important, you know, just as shown by every single thing NCAA does. It's all about money. And money talks. So if they don't think it's safe and the players start to really stand out and they claim it's not going to be safe – you're going to see some major conferences come down. And at that point, once one goes down, it's all going to come down. Yeah. And obviously the big 10 pack 12 already in a conference only. And some of the other major conferences are trying to salvage what they have left with, with obviously the rescheduling is a big mess right now, but the athletic departments, they, they certainly know this and the 2020 non-conference schedules, they're being released or never. And a Twitter account, the D one docket, interesting enough, but 119 days before, so the last check, probably about a week or so ago, the average over the last two years has been about 60 non-conference schedules released by about this time of the season. This year, 14 have only been released. 
And so you've got to imagine that some of these athletic departments, they're fearing that perhaps they may not get a chance to be playing non-conference games. And I, I would only imagine, Don, that that might be in the minds of the athletic departments yet, that perhaps they have something scheduled, but they don't want to really say anything right now because of what could happen. Right. And you gain nothing from getting your entire fan base up, having people make travel plans to go to these non-conference games because non-conference games are super cool because you're playing teams that you don't normally face. So a lot of fans will say, Hey, this is an opportunity. This is an opportunity for me to go see a, a new team, B a new venue and C possibly even explore a new city or a new state. And by them scheduling this and then releasing it, and then for it to not happen, you're really just, you're not helping anyone. So I feel like waiting for it is probably a good idea, but I really hope that these non-conference games can really happen because you see these really cool tournaments and stuff. And and that's what you get some really good games out of those. Like I, I thought in my opinion, the best game last year, Kansas Dayton, that was a non-conference game in Hawaii. And, I don't know if the Maui Gym Invitational is going to happen this year, especially with the way that Hawaii has been super conservative with getting tourists onto the islands as they should, because they've done a good job with containing the coronavirus. Yeah. We'll get to those MTEs in a moment, but you know, you, you see other programs other than the 14, you know, releasing games kind of one by one. And I do wonder though, how long these athletic departments can wait to kind of release these schedules before eventually it is too late. Yeah, I don't really know the details about that. I mean, the season starts in a couple of months, so they, they probably do have a month or two to really make those decisions. But it's all going to depend upon if football happens. Football is where the money's made. Those are the big – the big eyes are on football. And I think football has got to come to its decisions before a lot of these schools release their non-conference games or or just don't release them. Right, and obviously you mentioned college football and, and all the money. and maybe not at the bigger conferences, but I do wonder at the smaller D1 conferences or even D2, D3, perhaps we could see basketball programs being cut altogether, which would be unfortunate, but it could very well be a ramification of there being no college football season, even if it is in the spring. Right. And you never want to see that. It's an opportunity for a lot of kids that maybe don't have such good grades or such great backgrounds to really go and play the sport they love and also get an education at the same time. And it would be a really big shame for those to get cut down because of a pandemic and then the schools not wanting to lose money. But I mean, that's the world we live in right now. Not everything's for certain, you know, some things that may be deemed unnecessary aren't going to come back. And if the schools determine that, you know, this isn't worthwhile happening down the line, then that people are just going to have to accept that. Yeah, it really is kind of a sign of the times where already those non-revenue sports are starting to get cut already. And how long could it be before some of those bigger sports start to get cut as well? We'll, we'll certainly have to see. And you did mention the Maui Invitational. And these MTEs are going to be quite the challenge. Two Already two of them, the Cayman Islands Classic and the Islands of the Bahamas Showcase, have been moved from their original locations to the state of Florida for 2020. And these MTEs, I think, provide a different sort of challenge because outside of Major League Baseball, who will hopefully get a very good season in with coronavirus testing and also provide probably some fun games as well starting on Thursday, I do wonder how these MTEs can operate because if the bubble is a mindset, I don't think bubbles are necessarily 
the idea that collegiate sports will be operating on, even if it isn't a pandemic, Don? No, the, these won't work. I'm just going to say that right now. You're getting – because, like, with just one game, a non-conference game, you have one team traveling into another area. But all it takes is one person in that little arena, and boom, everyone gets it. And you don't want that. And when you're taking in eight teams combining, it's going to make it even worse. And you know fans are going to want to come, even if they can't go to the games, because fans are crazy. That's just the reality of it. And even if they do – even if they do not announce whether or not they're going to have seats or not, if people go there in the anticipation that they could be going to games and then all of a sudden they announce no fans, people are still going to want to go because it's technically a vacation they've already planned for. And so then not only are you risking the players, the coaches, and the faculty members at the tournaments, you're also now risking the tourist lives and the people who live in the area. So these tournaments make no sense for me this year. Going forward, it's going to depend on how America, you know, figures their stuff out. But it just makes no sense for this year to have these, these invitational tournaments. Yeah, you mentioned all those different variables. And don't forget, you, know, you got the, the family and friends of a, of a player who may, you, you know, goodness knows what's going to happen in, down the line. But if there is a limited capacity, you know, perhaps they might want to come anyway and kind of take in that and then you've got all the academic side of things i think in this time more than ever is crucial the academic side of things because obviously you're going to have you know these players you know with the classes and stuff and i think that's the obvious but what's not so obvious is once these players travel to places like charleston and in florida and coming back to their campuses should the campuses be back in person learning I mean, some of these campuses may decide to have the players quarantine for 14 days because, you know, they're coming back from their state that may have different policies. And there's just so much things going on right now that I think the unpredictability of just everything else surrounding the basketball, surrounding the bracket of those teams, there's just absolutely no way in my mind that Something like that makes sense. And bubbles for collegiate sports, they are not feasible because of the classes that these student athletes have to take. It is not feasible to me. No, it's not. I mean, unless you have these guys doing online classes, but at that point, why are they playing sports if they're attending an online class? At that point, they're not even like attending university. They're, they're attending a computer. And I mean, a lot, you know, when it comes to some power five sports, the kids maybe aren't going to the school for their education. Now, a lot of players do. I'm not speaking on all players, but some people don't do that. And so at that point, it's like, why are we even playing if all schools are online? It just, it, it doesn't make any sense for that. Yeah. And to me, you got to get people back on campus. Because if you got all these kinds of kids and everything else, the university is a place to where kids are from everywhere. There, there are kids from pretty much all over the place. If you are basically having everyone else online and then try and bring these athletes back who they themselves are from all over the place, this just creates all kinds of confusion and chaos, really. And it's just one of those things to where we would then be talking about, the, in the terms of the student-athlete term, the term athlete being in capitalized letters and the term student being in lowercase letters, probably size font six or something like that. Right you know, you're, you're jeopardizing every single person. 
And the schools want you to be there because that's how they make the most money. If you're online, they, they theoretically cannot charge as much money. And as we all know, most schools, they only care about the money. Money talks. So it's, it's in their best interest to have people on campus, which would also mean possibly having sports. But I just don't see a way where if all, if all schools are online, how can we have sports? Because they're not even attending the university. They're hardly a student athlete at that point. Now they're really just an athlete. And right. the optics of it are so bad to have a player, have these college athletes playing in the middle of a pandemic when they're not even getting paid to play. And not all players are on full scholarships. Some of them are paying to play at some of these schools. The optics of the situation are so bad. You know, America needs to figure it out if college sports want to happen. Just sports in general, but especially college sports because these players aren't getting paid. Absolutely. Now, to focus on the NBA, even though they are in a bubble, what do you think college, um, co- college administrators and conferences, for that matter, what do you think are some of the things the NBA can really be implemented in the college game as far as procedures around the coronavirus and trying to prevent the spread of the virus? Should the NBA be successful? Well, another thing they could limit is if students are on campus, they could deliver meals to your players. Now, these players are putting in a lot of money for these schools, especially if the season does end up happening. And if that's the case, you could have players totally avoid going out to eat and going into the dining halls to eat. Because as we all know, Nick, dining halls are crazy. They're full of people who don't really keep, you know, the best hygiene. Not everyone's going and washing their hands right before. Not everyone's probably going to be wearing their masks, especially when you're eating food. So, why would you unnecessarily have the player go down to eat food when you can just deliver him the food? Now, of course, we saw the foods that some of the players were posting on their Instagram. Some of them looked really good and some of them didn't. But that's something that these players are going to have to deal with. If they want to be able to play, they're going to have to play safe. Now, is that something they're going to all agree on? Probably not. You know, part of going to college is being social with your friends and you don't really get that opportunity if you're getting a meal delivered to your room and being told eat this by yourself. So I think that's one thing, you know, the, the bubble itself is going to be kind of hard, but also, you know, you got to let players have postmates if they want that, you know, the whole thing was stupid. Uh, there, there's a couple of things they could learn. The bubble itself is like you mentioned, just not possible unless they're going online classes, which at that point, it's not worth it. You know, it's all, we still haven't even seen the NBA games start. So that's, once we see those games start, we'll get some more information about how these sports could continue. Yeah, and I mean, there, I mean, there are you know, certain things that perhaps the bubble environment can be put into the college, but the actual bubble itself cannot. It's just not feasible. And now, should things get to the point where we are still discussing cancellations in the winter and we're still discussing this, and if it is to the point to where college basketball is conference only, who do you think would be the first to announce that? Uh, it's tough. I'd probably have to say the SEC just because they're historically not a great basketball conference. They do have some really good schools, obviously Kentucky, Florida, Auburn's been good as of late, Tennessee, another good basketball program. But in the South, coronavirus has been kind of crazy. You know, the whole, the whole term where it's been like red states are going to get harder because they've been looser on policies, you know, has some merit to it. You know, there's some exceptions, California being one of them, but 
them being in the South with coronavirus being hit really hard, I could see that definitely happening. Maybe even Big 12, they're also technically in the South, but um, I, I'm, I'm not really sure that, that, that that's just a guess for me, if I'm right. being completely honest. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's respectable too. I mean, we all can, can have these sort of guesses and I'll be honest, mine's the Pac-12 and it's because of one state, California. And right. I'm sure you're so many probably, schools. Yeah. And I'm sure you're probably familiar with what's going on in the state of California with all the protocols that Governor Newsom is putting into place. This is not the forum to discuss that, but I think the state of California could drag down the entire conference as a matter of fact, we're seeing that schools like California and some of the other schools, USC perhaps as well, going to online only for the most part already. And I think that those schools could drag this whole thing down. And California with some of the fall sports already moving to the spring. The state of Washington is another example of having very recently announced some of their minor to high risk sports moving to the early spring. And I just think that the combination of all of that, of what's going on around, I think that that could put some pressure on the Pac-12 CEO group. And I do think that eventually, if there is the point where we are still discussing this, I think obviously the Ivy League may be the first um, outside of the powers because they've been the first the whole way, both in March and now in the summer. Because they're smart. Right. (laughs) Yes. And I think the Pac-12 could very much be – the first ones to follow the Ivy League, should they be the first, just like here in the summer. I think there's just something about the state of California's policies that I think could drag everything down for the conference. Right. And another mention of that is uh, Cal State schools are all online for the fall. And they announced that multiple months ago. Shout out to San Diego State Aztecs. Because I know we love the mid-majors here on the college basketball bonanza. Yes, we do. So yes, we do. it would be kind of unfair to have some of these public schools or, you know, UCLA, you know, Cal's already going online. But, you know, Stanford, USC, some other Pac-12 schools in the state, it'd be kind of unfair for those big schools to be going back and playing while Cal State's other public schools in the state of California aren't going back. And there's several. You also got Fresno State. You got San Jose State, those are two, you know, in Mountain West. You got Cal State, Bakersfield. You've got a couple of others and some other mid-majors. So those are already a lot of conferences that are immediately impacted by, by students not coming back in the fall, which could change how athletics are managed. Yeah, and I mean, the Mountain West is probably a big conference to pay attention to because they have so many of those schools and Hawaii. So that's going to be another big point of emphasis there. West Coast Conference also comes to mind. And I cannot for their life remember the date, but they have, they're, they're operating remotely for quite some time now. So that'll be very interesting to really watch for. And I'll just say this, Tom, I hope it doesn't get to this point, but if it does, it's going to be quite unfortunate. And obviously the season, the actual state of play. Uh, we've seen some pictures of the bubble. I'm not sure if you've seen them socially distanced benches, and things along those Nate lines coming together, you know, perhaps some of those protocols might also have to apply in the college game for one, good optics, and two, to protect the players, and even more so the coaches, who some of them might be in the high-risk category for COVID-19. Yeah, Bob Huggins comes immediately to mind when I think of that. A couple of other old coaches, Coach K, Coach Williams. Now, those, are, those, are just, those are some big names, too. There's got to be some even smaller names that I'm sure are at health risks, too. Yeah, and, and – 
you know, I mean, Coach Beheim as well. I mean, there's just right. so many different coaches at the live programs. And it's not just limited to one state. It's all across the country. And that's what makes college basketball so unique. And now, do you think that perhaps different conferences will have different protocols for college basketball in 2020-2021? Absolutely. It all depends on, you know, what states you have in your conference and how the states are doing with the coronavirus. And like I said earlier in this podcast, it's all going to depend on where we are further down the line. We have no idea where we're going to be mid-August in a month from now. So, you know, they should be planning on possible ideas to do for college basketball season, but nothing should really be enacted yet. You know, football's got to come first. That's the first line. And then maybe a couple of other fall sports that could be happening. I don't see very many other fall sports happening though, because none of them really make money. So conferences will be different. They'll have different protocols. I imagine, you know, the like conferences like the colonial and other conferences up in the Northeast where they've done a really good job of handling the virus. They could have some less restrictions because they can be less concerned about the virus. Now, you know, conferences like the sec in states like Florida or Georgia where the coronavirus has been handled horribly. Uh, those states could be seeing some severe restrictions or possibly not even be playing. Right. And also the one thing that comes to mind as well is, you know, a couple of conferences, Conference USA and the American Athletic Conference, you've got schools from everywhere, from all right. over the place. And you've got probably like at least five or six states of, you know, different quarantine protocols and different mandates and all this other stuff. And I just think all of that mixed in together is going to create one big cesspool of a mess when it comes to policies. And, you know, do you give some of these athletes, you know, travel exceptions to go play your games and go back to campus? Or do, you do, or do you just go ahead and make them quarantine and perhaps risk that season? Everything is just up in the air when it comes to those conferences. Now, one last thing I want to get to, what, if you had to put a percentage odds what are your odds of a 2021 national championship in college basketball? Well, that's so far down the line. I mean, we're, we're here in mid-July, and we're talking about something that's happening early April. Uh, I'd probably give it a – I'd probably give it a 50-50 chance of it happening in April. If the seasons – if the sports end up getting postponed and pushed back, like we have seen for some high school sports, I'd give it a much greater chance. I think that America will get their stuff figured out. Will it be in the next two months? Who knows? Will it be in four months? I'd say yeah. But I think there will be a championship. It's just whether or not it'll be in the normal April and whether we'll see March Madness or not, or maybe, it's, maybe it'll be May Madness this year. <laughs> we may not be able to sleep until June. Oh, uh, brother. Oh, brother. But, uh, yeah, you. I think you picked up on my reference there. And <laughs> there's a. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we get a college basketball season. It just might not be until later than we're used to. Yeah, and I also react like that because I experienced that whole thing in March in the conference tournaments. I cannot imagine how long that's gonna kill me if I have to stay up till one a.m. on a May evening. Oh my goodness, that's gonna drive me nuts. But to me, I just think that the next two weeks are going to be critical. Um, and this really just falls along the lines of what the Wisconsin volleyball coach was saying to local, a local media outlet and saying, these are the two biggest weeks in the history of college sports. We've got to do better. And that is not just for the preservation of the non-revenue sports. 
That is not just for the preservation of college football and its normal time slot. That is in the preservation of all sports at a lot of smaller colleges. I just think, America in general, right. too. It's not right. even just about sports. You know, it is for some of the people who are in sports, but just anything, you know, our livelihoods, our businesses, you know, our, our well-being. You know, we, we need to figure our stuff out because I, I, know I, I know when I go back to college in a month, I want to be able to go out and do stuff. Now, right. if that's not possible, then I'm not going to, but I'll still right. be there. And, you know, I want to be able to enjoy being in college and I want to attend sporting events again. You know, I was fortunate enough to be there with you at the final Arizona Cactus League game this spring. And I haven't been to a sporting event since. I, I went to a Potters Inner Squad game and sat out at the park with my mask on, but that doesn't really count. I want to be at another sporting event where other fans are there, you know, hearing the roar of the crowd when something good happens and hearing the silence when something bad happens for your team. It's something that we all miss, but we've got to earn it. Right. And I mean, you know, American society, I think, is at a big crossroad here when, when it comes to, to college sports. And like you mentioned, all sports in particular. Sure, the professional leagues can set up bubble environments somewhere where you have a tons of fields and tons of courts and go play your season there. Collegiate sports is not there. In college basketball, the next two weeks, what happens with college football and a lot of the major conferences, what they decide to do is really going to determine the outlook of a college basketball season in 2020-21. It's going to be all kinds of chaos. And even then, if we do have a season, we're going to have protocols, I think, similar to the NBA. Not, maybe, perhaps not the bubble, but the socially distanced benches, perhaps no fans. There's going to be a lot of things happening there on that front. But with that, we do have to end this conversation. Thank you very much, Dominic. And this has been our special edition of the College Basketball Ends of the 2020-21 season amid COVID-19. Hopefully, in late August, we'll be back on Blaze Radio to discuss other things about the season. You know, the, the best transfers, improved rosters, all those things. I would love to discuss those kinds of things about college basketball. But right now, the focus is clear the fight against COVID-19. For Dominic Sturm, I'm Nicholas Hodel, signing off.